So God's word on living by faith, Judges 13, 1 through 5. Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Now there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So kind of give you a little introduction, a little background, what's going on here. After being delivered from Egypt the second time around, the Israelites finally made it into the land of promise. And through the leadership of Joshua and those who outlived Joshua, the Israelites gradually took over the land that God gave them. Judges 2 and 7 says, So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord which he has done for Israel. Unfortunately, over time, that generation died out, and the Israelites began to forsake the true worship of God and began to worship the idols of the Canaanite inhabitants. As a result, they were delivered over to the rule of the enemy, and life became unbearable. Now, how many of you know God will let you go your own way? He doesn't like it, doesn't want it to happen, but he's not going to take away your free will. So periodically what we find, I just read through the book of Judges, and periodically what you find is that they would be up. I was talking with somebody about that today. They were, they, you know, you know God wants you to live in a state of blessing and prosperity? He really does, Right? Then why, why, does that, why, why are we not able to do that? Well, what happens is the Lord blesses us. We, we get to a place where we're living. I'm just using this as an illustration. We're living in a place of blessing and prosperity. And then what happens is we get cold. We, we lose our fire for God. We get comfortable. And uh, then what begins to happen is we start allowing things back into our life. And the next thing you know, we're doing things we should never be doing. We're justifying what we're doing. We're still sacrificing to God. We're still going to church. We're still talking about God. But we're living just like the Canaanites, right? We're worshiping the idols of the Canaanites. Well, I don't worship any idols. Hey, listen, if you're not, if you're not willing to give to God, you're worshiping money, right? or people worship uh, themselves, they put themselves on the throne. Really, that's the lie is we sit on the throne. Uh, But, you know, of course, we've got God with us. He's in the back seat or he's next to me. But who's driving the car? Me, myself, and I, right? And then what happens is when they do that, you know, they're really, they're not serving God. They're serving the enemy. And what happens when you serve the enemy? The thief comes but to Steal, kill, and destroy. And God's a jealous God, not in the sense that he's going to punish you, but he's going to let you go your own way. You're either going to stay with me or you're going to have to go your own way. So he lets them go their own way, and then what happens? Roop, the curve drops. And the next thing you know, they're in, they're in a bad shape. And what do they do when they're in bad shape? What happens when you get in trouble? When you, what happens when people get in trouble? They'll go to church. They won't go to church when things are going good, but they get in trouble. I'll go to church. Why? Because if I go to church, God will get me out of trouble. Right? There's a problem with that. Well, can God get you out of trouble? Yes. He's Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nitzi, Shalom, Jehovah Sidkenu. He's, he's Jehovah everything. He can get you out of anything. 
But what you find is that the reason people go to church is not to serve God. They go to church to get out of trouble. And what happens when they get out of trouble? Oh, here we go again. Bottom drops out. They call on God. You know, it really does behoove us to make sure that when we begin the Christian walk, we begin on the right terms. The right terms are, I forsake my life. It is no longer I that live, but Christ in me. I die so that Christ might live. Right? I submit to his lordship. I do what he says. And listen, it's not going to work if you don't believe this is the word of God. You have to believe this is the word of God, and then you have to submit to the word of God. I know I'm getting off on a tangent, but uh, you know, I, people come and they want you to counsel them. Well, the word of God says this. Okay, so they go find somebody else that will counsel them. The word of God says they're going to find somebody else. You know what they're looking for? They're not looking for what God says about the subject. What they're looking for is permission to do what they want to do. Right? Go do what you want to do. God doesn't have an issue with that. I don't have an issue with that. Go do what you want to do. Just don't try to say it's okay with God's work when God's word is, is in violation of that. You can't say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't do God's word. That doesn't work either. Because the true definition of a Christian is a follower of Christ. You follow his teachings. You do his will. So if you're going to be a Christian, you have to renounce the world and renounce the enemy. And you have to embrace God. We have to renounce self. And we have to embrace God. Whatever God says, that's what I do. He that would come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow after me. But it's hard to do what God says to do. Well, it's hard in the sense that you have to die to your wants and your desires and live for his. Right? Israelites, pre-Christ, pre-cross, right, in that sense. But they're, they're... kind of the, the way people live life. So what we have here is the Israelites would <laughs> cry out to God. God would send a deliverer. They'd go back down. God would cry out to God. This is the book of Judges. God would send an anointed leader to deliver them from their oppressors because God's a good God. And he doesn't want his children suffering. And if they'll call out to him, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all over. If we call out to him, guess what? He, he will, even if it's not always for the right reasons, he still loves us. One of those leaders was a man by the name of Samson. And his birth in this passage that we read is foretold by the angel of the Lord to his mother. Now, in this text, if you want to bring that back up, I think it says here, I want you to notice that the text says that she was barren. Right? Uh, uh, a little bit before that. Yeah, let's go back before that. All right. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said, Indeed, now you are barren. <laughs> Imagine the woman saying, I don't need an angel to come and tell me that. Uh, I, but God, it's almost like God wants you to know. She's just not going through a period where she's not having kids. She can have kids. She's barren. Her womb is not producing uh, 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 children. It, it's, it's unfruitful. It's, it's basically dead, right? She had not born children, and the angel was basically saying, you're not going to be able to bear children. You are barren. To this woman's barrenness, the angel of the Lord, by the way, many people believe pre-incarnate appearance of Christ, right? Manifestation of Christ. The angel of the Lord appeared 
and gave to her a word. We would call it a prophetic word, right? This word from the Lord revealed that she would conceive and bear a son. When did the word come? While she was barren, right? When you have a kid, you don't give it the prophetic word and says, you're going to have a kid, right? You can give somebody a prophetic word that says you're going to have a kid. That's one level, and that's, that's wonderful. But, you know, if you're married, you have a, a healthy relationship with your wife, you're going to have children. That's part of it. it doesn't take a prophetic, a prophet, to tell you that you're going to have children. But it does take a prophetic word from God to say that someone is barren is going to have a child. Because then you're speaking life into what is presently dead, right? So in her barrenness, the angel of the Lord comes and says to her, you're going to have a child. Uh, she was then told, while still barren, what, ty what type of son he would be and what he was going to do with his life. The angel of the Lord said to him, you're going to have a son, and he's going to be a Nazarite from birth. Now, why, what is a Nazarite? That's important to find out. Numbers 6, 2 through 6, and verse 8, and that'll be up there. So speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when either a man or a woman consecrates an offering to take the vow of a Nazarite, to separate himself to the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and similar drink. He shall drink neither vinegar. Well, that's not hard for me. All right? Made from wine nor vinegar, made from similar drink. But if you like pickles, you're in trouble. Neither shall he drink any grape juice nor eat fresh grapes or raisins. Raisin bran is out the window. All the days of his separation, he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine from seed to skin. All the days of the vow of his separation, no razor shall come upon his head until the days are fulfilled for which he separated himself to the Lord. He shall be holy. Then he shall let the locks of the hair of his head grow. All the days that he separates himself to the Lord, he shall not go near a dead body. And then if you jump down to verse 8, all the day, days of his separation, he shall be holy to the Lord. So this child, from the day he was born, was going to be separated to God as a Nazarite. Wasn't going to be able to eat anything unclean, which none of the Israelites were. Weren't going to be able to eat anything from the grapevine. Wasn't going to be able to cut his hair. He was going to be separated to God. So in keeping with what her son was called to, now remember, he's not been born yet. She's not even conceived yet. Her womb is still barren. This is important, right? I'm, I'm taking a little time here because this is important. Before any of this took place, she was to begin to keep the vow that he was going to be keeping so that even from the time that he was conceived, he would be separated to God, abstaining from wine, strong drink, and unclean food. So I want to make sure you get that. Your son, which you haven't had yet, which you can't have because you're barren, but you will have, is going to be a Nazarite from the womb. Because of that, she's still not pregnant. She still hasn't conceived. She's still barren. Because of that, I want you, the angel of the Lord is telling her, to begin to keep the Nazarite vow before you ever even conceive and have a son. So that by the, from the time that he is conceived, he will be separated to God. When was she asked to keep the, the vow? While she was presently barren. She was to live her life now as if she was already pregnant and carrying a child. All she has is a prophetic word. Right? But she was to live her present life in keeping with the word of God that had been spoken over her life 
even though none of it had come to pass yet. This is Old Testament. But God is teaching them and in like manner teaching us what it is to live a life of faith. Right? Who was teaching her? The angel of the Lord. The Word of God manifest in a pre-incarnate form. The Lord was teaching her how to live in light of the Word of God that was given to her. Again, this is what we call Old Testament, and in it, God was teaching His people how to live a life of faith because that's what faith is. It's living today in light of what God has said before there is any visible evidence that what God has said has become manifest. All right, I don't, I don't know if you're getting it. Are you getting it? Right? She's barren. No children, no means of having a children. She's not conceived, but the angel of the Lord gives her a word. Before any of this ever comes into play, she's supposed to start living now according to the word that was given her before she even has a child. Are you, hearing, are you, are you getting this? This is powerful. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. In other words, I live in keeping with what God has said that I haven't seen yet, but when do I live in keeping with what God has said that I haven't seen yet? I live now. Now. That word now, you would think it's just a conjunction, but I think it's more than that. Now, faith is. It's present tense. I live now according to the word of God that has not yet even manifested in my life. Hebrews 11.1 1 in the Amplified Version says, Faith is the assurance or the confirmation or the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see, and the conviction of their reality or the convincing evidence of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Did you hear that? Faith believes, perceives as real fact what has not yet appeared to the senses. Hebrews 11, 6 through 7, Without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, built an ark... Let me put this into context. Who was it? I think Elizabeth and her kids went to, to see the ark, and I believe it's in Kentucky. Y'all went to see the ark. Pretty big, huh? Not an easy, it's not like a Lego project. <laughs> it's like building, and right, and it hasn't even rained. Never rained on the earth yet, according to some scholars, right? It's watered by a mist. God said there's going to be a worldwide flood. Noah, build a boat. Where does he build a boat? On dry land. Why does he build a boat in dry land? Because God said it's going to rain. You see what faith is? Faith is doing now what has not happened yet, but in light of what God said is going to happen, I do it now, and that's what faith is, believing God enough to act. 
So Noah prepared, uh, uh, d- uh, by faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Second Corinthians 5 and 7, for we walk by, he's talking to Christians, and this is what we're supposed to do. Now, he's not saying, that, <laughs> he's not saying we do it, but when we live by faith, we walk by faith, according to what God has said, not by sight. Right? Now, I could also say it this way. We walk by faith, not according to what we perceive by the natural senses. Because sometimes it's not just what we see with our eyes, it's what we feel. I feel like this is right. We walk by faith, not by what we feel. We walk by faith, not by what we see. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because sometimes your feelings, and I'll, I'll include all of us here, but sometimes fear is more powerful uh, uh, in the moment that you're experiencing fear to you than what God said. Sometimes that, I, I want to say this, I'm trying to figure out how to say this, that tax collector or that light bill is more powerful and it feels more powerful in the moment than the word of God that says he's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord your provider. And so because it feels more powerful, we bow to what we feel is more powerful, not by what God said. Well, God, if you would just help me to feel more powerful than fear makes me feel, then I would believe you. But he doesn't do that because we don't walk by feelings. We walk by faith, right? Now, there's a guy by the name of Thomas. And again, when we're talking about we walk by faith, not by sight, we're talking about the natural senses, right? A guy by the name of Thomas in John 20, 24 through 29, the other disciples said to Thomas, we have seen the Lord. So, so Thomas, because he wasn't there, he says, unless I see in his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and put my hand in the side, I will not believe. I got to see it to believe it. Now, how many of y'all have ever heard that? I got to see it to believe it, right? After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them, and Jesus came, the doors being shut, stood in their midst, and said, Peace be to you. Now, how in the world are you supposed to have peace when somebody appears out of thin air? Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here, look at my hands, reach your hand here, put it into my side. So that, that goes to show you, even though Jesus is, 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 is ascended, I mean resurrected, he still has the scars, right? Because if he can put his hand into his side, there's a big wound there. was a big wound there. So, and then he says to him, do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me with your eyes, I'm adding that in there, because you have seen me with your eyes, you have believed. But Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Right? Blessed are those who no matter what they're natural senses want to tell them they believe the word of God 
Is that okay to say that? We're gleaning that from what we're learning here tonight. So this isn't, however, the first time that God has taught his people how to live a life of faith. Now, this is Old Testament, not new. But we in the New Testament are called the people of faith. But I want you to know that God is a God of faith and always has been a God of faith. And he's teaching the Old people how to live a life of the Old Testament people how to live a life of faith. But in teaching them, he should be teaching us. Genesis 17, 1 through 8. I've shared this before, but it's very powerful. And I want you to see, because there's a truth here, that we need to learn. Genesis 17, 1 through 8. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. Now you've got to realize, Abraham's 99 years old. The Bible says his body was as good as dead. Sarah's womb was as good as dead. And he's only had one child. But he didn't have the child with the right woman. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> the promise was going to come through Sarah, and he's not the promised child, but God says, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Now, how many of you know that, in a sense, his life was barren? And Sarah's womb is barren. And here comes God and says, hey, I'm not just going to make you a father. I'm going to make you a father of a multitude. And he says, no longer shall your name be Abram, which means exalted father. But your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. What does Abraham mean? A father of many nations. Now, we don't know that because we don't speak Hebrew. But if you spoke Hebrew, you would know that every time he said Abraham, he was saying a father of a multitude. What's your name? Father of a multitude. Really? How many kids you got? What's your name? Father of a multitude. Boy, your parents were messed up. They weren't prophetic, were they? <laughs> God goes on, he says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be gone to you and to your descendants after you. Also, I give to you your, you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So we find here that, that God himself, just like with Manoah and his wife, God himself came to Abraham and told him what the word of the Lord is. You're going to be exceedingly fruitful. I'm going to make you a father of a multitude. Now, what situation was he in? He wasn't physically exceedingly fruitful. He wasn't a father. He didn't, God said, I'm going to give you the land, but he didn't have the land yet. He didn't have even any children from Sarah yet. And God is saying, this is what I'm going to do. So when did he tell Abraham that? While as of yet, he had not the child that God said would be his heir. And while he was 99 years old and his body was as good as that, not only that, while Sarah was barren and while Sarah herself was 89, yet in this state, God gives them the word of the Lord and says, your name, Abram, is going to be changed to Abraham, father of a multitude. When was he supposed to change his name? After he had the child? After Sarah conceived? No. Before. You're hearing what I'm saying? You know what God is teaching him how to do? To confess the word of God. 
You know, there's a lot of excesses today. But unfortunately, what happens when you get into excess, you want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. You want to throw out the truth as well. But, you know, God took me back here. I didn't read this out of a book that I know of. I did. I read it out of this book. And I realized when I read this, this is God teaching this. God's teaching it to Manoah's wife. And God's teaching it to Abraham. What is he teaching them? Speak my word into your barren situation. That doesn't make sense. What does make sense to, to speak? You know, it's, does it help to worry? Does it, has it ever changed anything for the positive? But we do it all the time. And we speak about the things that, fear, that, that causes fear and worry. And we speak about it all the time, and it never changes anything. In fact, science has proven that it actually makes it worse. Because physically, we deteriorate because of fear and worry, and we speak that over our lives all the time because we feel it. I'm not against feelings. Feelings are great, but feelings are like children. You have to discipline them. You have to bring them under control. You have to bring them under, you know, under, uh, 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 into boundaries, and the boundaries are God's Word. You can't let your feelings rob you of God's promise. Right? So what are we supposed to do? And again, I'm talking about senses. I'm not just talking about feelings. I'm talking about your senses. We don't live by senses. We live by faith. When did God give him the promise while he and Sarah were barren beyond the age of childbearing and while their bodies were as good as dead? God said, I want you to begin to tell everybody your name is Abraham. If he were living today, he said, go get a new driver's license. Tell him your name is Abraham. Well, I can't do that. I got to go to the courthouse and change my name. Go to the courthouse, change your name, change your name to Abraham. Then go get a new driver's license that says your name is Abraham. Then go change your passport. And then go do all this. Go put your name on the bank account. I want you to let everybody know your name is Abraham. Only today, you know, you got weird things happening today with these rappers and stuff. Their name is like question mark, you know. <laughs> you know, I say, like, what is that? That's their name, apparently. It's what, you know, uh, another guy's name is Charlemagne to God or something like that. You know, you, these strange names that they give themselves, you know. And, and so today, it, we would not, if God said it's to us, he wouldn't say to Abraham, because we don't speak Hebrew, put on your passport. Abraham, he would say, put on your passport. This is your name, father of a multitude. And so when they look at your driver's license, what's your name? Oh, your name is not father of a multitude. Yes, it is. You can't have a name like Father of a Multitude. Well, if he can call himself Charlemagne to God, why can't I call myself Father of a Multitude? Why you got me there? Why are you calling yourself Father of a Multitude? Do you have any kids? No, but I'm going to. What do you mean? God promised me. How old are you? 99. You can't have no kids at 99. God said, did they tell, didn't they tell you gave a testimony the other day? You can't have a child. And you say, well, I ain't believing that. And what happened? Next thing you know, she had seven. Who are you going to believe? God. And what is God teaching Abraham to do? Speak in, in agreement. No, you're not calling things into existence. 
You are speaking what God has said is a reality into this realm. You're hearing what I'm saying? You don't just speak, I want a Rolls Royce, I want a Rolls Royce, I want a Rolls Royce. That's that's not what God's speaking. What is God speaking? The word of the Lord came to Abraham and said, you're going to be a father of a multitude. So what am I supposed to speak? I'm supposed to speak what God spoke. That's called confess. The word confess means to say the same thing. Not to say whatever you want, but to say the same thing. Whatever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven. If God says you're blessed, then I don't want to go around and say I'm cursed. I want to go around and say what God said, I'm blessed. But everything around you looks like you ain't blessed. I don't care what everything around me said. I'm going to come into agreement with what God has said. When? When everything changes? No, before everything changes. What was it? You were telling me a testimony of one of the guys that you work with. He said, You're, you are, are blessed because you've learned how to give. Most people would say, no, they're giving because they're blessed. And the reality is some people can give after they get blessed, but in the kingdom of God, when you give, you, are, you give first, and then the giving propagates the blessing. A lot of us would want to say, when I have it, then I'll give it. God says, no, if you'll give it, then you'll have it. Now, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about the principle of living by what God says, not by what your senses tell you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you, and where is this coming from? Is this coming from the New Testament? It's coming from the, But the God of the Old Testament is also the God of the New Testament. And I'm not teaching you to do anything weird or outlandish or off the, I'm teaching you out of the Word of God. Now, if you were to tell this to people in the world, they would tell you, crazy. But, you know, maybe if you came out of a, another kind of a, a very strict, uh, uh, you know, don't believe that God moves today kind of church, this might seem a little bit stretchy for you. That's why I went to the Word of God, and I'm teaching you from the Word of God. You may not like what I'm telling you, but you're going to have a hard time convincing me that this isn't God. When it's in there, he's teaching it to Manoah's uh, uh, wife, and he's teaching it to Abram. And I'm, I'm like, and it's not Elijah, go tell them. No, it's God himself visibly appearing and says, this is how I want you to live in light of the word that I've given you. Something in me goes, boom, 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 boom. There's something important here, right? Romans 4, 16 through 21. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to the grace, to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. So what kind of life did Abraham live? A life of faith. Who is the father of us all? As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. And in the presence of him, of, of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope, believed God so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, the word of God that was given to him, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, 
He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. So was his body as good as dead? Yes. What about Sarah's womb? It was dead. But Abraham did not consider that. I was reading a, really impacted me. I was reading a, a book by Kenneth Hagin. Oh, that's where you got it from. No, it's not where I got it from. But he's got a lot of good things to teach. But one of the things he was saying was he was going through a battle. He was waking up, uh, went through a season where he was waking up at night, and, and the enemy's tormenting him with his thoughts or whatever the case may be. He said, Lord, what do I do about this? And he said, what does my word says? It says, consider not. In other words, don't dwell on these natural things. Don't dwell on that thing that's trying to cause tension or worry or faith. You know, what? Consider not. And then he says to him, well, what do I do? I, what, do I, what do I do with, then if when I don't focus on this, what do I mind to focus on? He said, the word of God says, consider him. And so what, what does that mean? Don't rehash and think about the problem. Ha, rehash and think about God. Right? Isn't that what David did? Goliath was talking about fear and and conquering and so he was instilling fear and and despair and discouragement but David didn't look at Goliath David looked at God everybody that was looking was considering Goliath was hiding out in their tents but David didn't consider Goliath he considered God when he considered God he ran after Goliath are you hearing what I'm saying? So Abraham didn't consider what was, we would say, fact. Right? There is a difference between fact and truth. God's word is true. Let God be true and every man a liar. Right? Your body is dead. That's a fact. But the truth is you're going to have a child next year. How is that going to happen? That's not for me to figure out. It's just for me to believe. Well, I got to know it. I got to see how God's going to do it before I can believe it. Then you're just like Thomas. If I don't put my finger in his hands and I don't put my hand inside, I'm not going to believe. And God said, blessed are those who do not see yet believe. In other words, I'm not always going to tell you how I'm going to do it. I'm not going to show it. And some of the ways that God does it makes no sense to us. Go dip in a river seven times and you'll come up clean. What? Why should I dip in a river seven? Why can't I dip six times? Why can't I dip five? Why can't I dip two? Why does it have to be this river? Why do I have to do it now? Those are all the things. Oh, I'll do it one time. That's good enough. It doesn't happen. I'm going home. It ain't real. I was reading this the other day about uh, when God tells the man to go to the pool of Siloam and if he will wash, he will be made, he will be able to see. Imagine if it was one of us, and Jesus says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. He's very specific. We don't know how far away it was. You know, we, it was not easy for him to get there because he's still blind. But he's got to go to the pool of Siloam to see. And so what does he do? He's going along, and he said, well, I don't have to go to the pool of Siloam. I, there's a little puddle, right? Boy, boys leading him along. He said, there's a puddle here. Why don't you just wash there? Yeah, I'll just wash here. Is he going to see? No, because he doesn't believe the word of the Lord. Right? Oh, yeah, I'm probably not never going to get there. This is too hard. You ever heard somebody say, it's too hard? 
I'm not going to work for that. It's too hard. A year down the road is too long. So they quit, right? But the man was told to go wash in the pool of Siloam, and Jesus didn't tell him it was going to be easy. He didn't say it was going to be hard. He just said, go do it. He believed. He went to the pool of Siloam. He washed, and when he did what Jesus told him to do, and I want to tell you, it took faith to do that. He could see. But he didn't believe what he felt. He didn't believe what was going on at the present time. He believed what Jesus said. Or hear what I'm saying? So the Bible says, Abraham, not being weak in faith, did not consider his body as good as dead, the dentist of Sarah's wombs. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what God had promised, God was able to perform. In other words, God told me this time next year, I'm going to have a son. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm changing my name. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know i got to walk this land. God told me to keep walking this land. I'm going to keep walking this land, and I'm going to tell everybody that I meet, my name is Abraham, father of multitude. And it shouldn't have happened. Science said it shouldn't have happened. The doctor said it shouldn't have happened. The household said it shouldn't have happened. And everybody said it shouldn't happen. But this time next year, Sarah, at 90 years old, had a bouncing baby boy that she was uh, giving suck to. Because they believed God. And they were willing to look foolish in the eyes of the world by declaring something that had not come into manifestation yet. Because God said it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Notice that while confirming the situation at hand, this text in Romans also tells us that God calls things which do not exist as though they do. This is what God is telling Abram. Change your name, and in so doing, begin to declare that which does not yet exist in your life as though it did. But again, you're not making it up. You're not just saying things. You are repeating what God has spoken to you, what God has made alive to you, what the rhema word of the Lord to you has been to you. You are giving uh, through your words. You are confessing, professing what God has said. Isn't that how God works? God, does, God, from what I can understand, from what I see, God did nothing except he declared it first. Let there be light. If, if he didn't want us to understand the importance of speaking, why did he speak? He didn't have to, but he did. And he spoke into nothingness. He said, let there be light, and there was light. You speak, and then you see. Uh, most of us is, well, the light's on. Hey, the light. That's not the way it works. God says, let there be light. We say that there be light. There is no light. Well, there will be, so begin to speak light. In your children, listen. In your children, those who are lost, don't speak death over them. Speak life. Right? What has God promised you about them? I've told you what I do with my, uh, when I take communion, right? When I, I just, I, it just became real to me that when the jailer came to Paul, he said, uh, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household will be saved. And I said, 
And I just went to the Lord, and I, started, I take communion every morning. I said, your word teaches me, God, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm a whoever. Thank you, God. I'm a whoever. I'm saved, and I'm being saved. And the implication of that is I'm, I'm saved, and I'm being made whole. Every dimension of life is being made whole. He said, but God, you also said that you and your household shall be saved. So when I tell you, I remind him, I said, Lord, I believe that. I believe that. I don't know how they're going to get there, but I know what you've spoken to me. I know what the Lord has told me. I know he said my children are going to serve in ministry with me. They're going to serve the Lord. They're going to live for him. Now, but they're not there yet. Well, I don't care. I'm going to speak a lot. I'm going to speak what God told me. And I was talking to somebody say, my concern is not where they're going to end up. I know. The Lord's told me where they're going to end up. My concern is the stuff in the middle. I don't want them to have regrets in life. Because they will, there are consequences to your behavior. I don't want them to have that. But I'm not concerned where they're going to end up. Because the Lord's already spoken to me. And I'm just foolish enough to believe what he said. Does that mean I don't, that, that worry doesn't try to hit me? Or that fear doesn't try to hit me? Or whatever the case may be? No, it comes. And you just got to say, I know what God has promised me. I don't know if this, somebody reminded me, Doug reminded me this the other day. I went to Costa Rica, and I went in faith because my back was not where it needed to be, and I went in faith. And, man, it's like it was not what I thought. I got to the airport. I said, I made it three and a half hours. I'm here. I'll just go to the airport. I'll rest. You know, my back is fine. No, you got to get in a van and drive five hours. <gasps> I wasn't planning on that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't believe in God. I mean, it's like, and I, I just like, Lord, and then all of a sudden it's just like, thing after thing and enough for the enemy's right there oh you're going to be in trouble now oh what? and you know all that kind of stuff and I'm I'm the uh, you know going on this trip trying to enjoy it but all the time this fear and doubt and worry and all this stuff plaguing me and then uh, and I was just trying to turn it over the Lord was having a hard time shaking it and then uh, they they're going to do an outing and one of these outings you get the UTVs and 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 the uh, and the little uh, what do you call it the the the, the motorcycle ones and I didn't want to get on that one because it didn't have a back but they had one like a golf cart and I got on that one and I'm driving along and still thinking about man we got to go to another hotel and that's three four five hours away how am I going to do that and I'm driving along and I'm not kidding you ever seen a long time ago the Billy Graham crusade had these campaigns where they had these black billboards and white letters and just had a little saying I am with you you know I will never leave you or just stuff like that well I'm there in the middle of Costa Rica it's not this is not the, they do have civil, you know, cities like we have, you know, like Houston or stuff. But I wasn't in the city. I was in a, in, a, in, a, in a beach city, a beach town, you know. And here in the middle is beach town. You don't expect to see. There's a big old sign by the Billy Graham Association that says, I got your back, God. <laughs> I couldn't believe that. And I said, God, I think you're trying to tell me something, right? I need to trust you. Now, I don't know, I don't know if it was, it was easy after that, but it was easier, right? What are you going to believe? You're always going to have to choose to believe God. It's a choice that you make. It's not always going to be easy. Your senses are, always, are not always going to be in agreement. In fact, most of the time, your senses are going to be out of line with what it is that God is saying. Your circumstances will be opposed to what God is saying. But you have to choose to believe God. 
Why should I believe God? Because God said, if I call upon him, I will be saved. I called upon him, and I've been saved. And if God is true, which he is, then I can put my trust in anything else that he says. Well, how do you know it's going to happen? I don't need to know how it's going to happen. I just know it will happen because God said it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So God is teaching Abraham how to live by faith, right? And God is teaching us how to live by faith. Let's see, did I get to the wrong? Um, not only is Abraham changing his name um, to, to, from Abram to Abraham, but God calls him by his new name, Father of a Multitude. He calls him this before he ever had Isaac before Isaac was ever conceived. But he also gives Abram, Abraham instruction to change his wife's name. Her name is no longer to be Sarai, and the, word, the, the name Sarai actually means contentious, but her name is supposed to be Sarah, which is princess. Why? Because she will be a mother of nations. Uh, uh, kings of peoples shall come from her. Genesis 17, 15 through 16, God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall no, call, no longer call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her new name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her, and then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. In keeping with God's directive, Abraham was to change her name and Sarai was to change her name because they were to declare the word of God as true in faith in spite of their present circumstances. Some people think it's wrong to declare the promises of God in the face of their contrary circumstances, but God actually teaches us differently. Listen, God himself teaches us differently. Not some random teacher on the Internet. The Word of God teaches us. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the, <laughs> you know, right? By faith, we are to speak the truth of God's word into the situations that we face. And what then was the result? Hebrews 11, 11 through 12, by faith, Sarah herself also received power or strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she considered him or judged him faithful who had promise. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead and Sarah were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. So we are taught, like Abram, to speak the word of God to the problem, not the problem to God. I'm not saying you can't go to God with a problem. But when God gives you the answer through a word from the Lord, you then take the word from the Lord and you speak to the problem. And you don't make the problem feel good about itself. Oh, problem, you're such a nice problem. I'm so glad, problem, that you've chose to visit me, but would you please visit somebody else's problem? No. Mark 11, 22 through 24 says, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Have God-like faith. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, what is the mountain? A problem. Have you ever said, that is a mountain of a problem? Whoever says to this mountain, be removed 
and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done he will have whatever he says and by the way those things he says and continues to say will be done so sometimes you have to speak the word of God more than once over the situation you're facing You have to continually speak the promise of God into the situation and the circumstances into your life that you're facing. Well, how long do I have to do that? I would say the same way that Jesus said, how often do I have to forgive? Seven times? No, 70 times seven. What does that mean? Until it's accomplished. Either God says, you don't have to do that anymore, it's already taken care of, or you begin to see a cloud in the size and the sky the size of a man's hand. You begin to see the manifestation of it taking place in your life. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and then you will have them. Believing precedes having. We want to have in order that we can believe. And God says, no, you have to believe if you want to have. The first time the Israelites sought to go into the promised land, what we find is that because of their unbelief, the Israelites were not able to enter in. However, Caleb was able to possess the promise. Why? Because he believed. This, their, belief, their unbelief was evidenced by what they said and did in, presence, in the presence of their surrounding circumstances. And Caleb's faith was evidenced by what he said and did in the midst of the same circumstances. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The people spoke the problem. Caleb spoke the promise. The people spoke the problem, and they didn't attain the promise. Caleb spoke the promise, and he inherited the promise. I, I don't think you're getting what I'm saying. Thank you, Bobby. The people spoke the problem, and they did not attain the promise Caleb spoke the promise into the problem and he attained the promise are you hearing what I'm saying Numbers 13 30 through 31 Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it but the men who had gone with him said we're not able to go up against these people for they are stronger than we Numbers 14 and 11, the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people reject me, and how long will they not believe me with all the signs which I have performed among them? So basically what I wanted you to see there is that they got into unbelief. Unbelief is opistus. It's anti-faith. It's no faith. Numbers 14, 21 through 24. But truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these ten times and have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their forefathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me to see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. And God was faithful. Now, it took 45 years to get there, but God was 40 years for him to get there. He was 85 when he went in, but he was just as strong 
God had preserved his life. Everybody around him is dying, but God is preserving his life, and he's just as strong, just as vigorous as the day they first went in the first time because God's word is true and God is faithful. Are you hearing what I'm saying? How do we conclude? As we saw at the beginning, in keeping with what her son was called to, Samson's mother was told to live her life now in keeping with what his word said would be. She was to begin to keep the vow her son would be keeping so that even while in the womb, he would be separated to God, abstaining from wine, strong drink, and unclean food. She was to live her present life in keeping with the word that had been spoken over her life, even while she was still barren, because that's what it means to live a life of faith. Who was teaching her? The angel of the Lord, God himself. The Lord was teaching us through her example and what we've already seen in Abraham, how to live a life of faith in light of the word of God that was presented to her. We saw God teaching also uh, Abraham and Sarah how to live a life of faith. So what we glean from this study tonight is that, is that faith is living today, living now in light of what God has said or is saying before there is any visible evidence that what God has said is seen. And if we will live by faith now according to what God said, we will see the fulfillment of what God said tomorrow. Faith is what God is teaching us. Faith is what gonna is what's going to bring us into the wholeness of what God has promised us in the scriptures. Not just salvation. I'm glad you're saved, I'm glad you're going to heaven. But there's so much more that God wants you to possess. There's so much more that God wants you to have. Well, how am I gonna inherit those promises? First of all, I gotta believe them and then I gotta have faith to walk out what God has promised me. All the promises of God are yes, and I've got to put my amen. Amen means so be it. I'm in agreement with it. I'm saying the same thing that God is saying to the promise that has not yet become fruition in my life, but it will be because I'm joining up with it by faith.